0: Scriptures of the New Testament. Um, We have four records of the life of Jesus. um, And uh, we are going to be reading from the record by John, uh, who was one of his disciples. uh, John chapter 3. And we uh, we are reading from verse uh, 1. And um, I want us to note uh, as we read this passage tonight, or listen out as we read this passage tonight, for the Jews on the one hand, and the world, or the nations, on the other, we've sung about that already, about Israel, but God's people, and the Old Testament, the Jews, and new salvation, and we have sung about the nations, we've sung about salvation, and we've sung about judgment, and so here too. We will learn of salvation and judgment, Jews, Gentiles, or Jews, and the nations. Let's read John chapter 3, page 1065 in the Church Bible. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Teacher... We know you have come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time, into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. Jesus said, You are Israel's teacher, and do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people, that's you Jews, do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man, that's Jesus himself. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man, Jesus, will be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world, to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. That's Jesus. But men loved darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done. God. Most people in Northern Ireland have no real interest in Jesus. Most people in Northern Ireland have no real or no lasting interest in Jesus. Who he was, where he's come from, what he came to do. And why he should be considered in their lives and considered by them and at the centre of their lives today. Now perhaps you're saying, hold on, high, that is a very strong statement to say. Most people in Northern Ireland have no real interest in Jesus. On what basis can I make such a bold and strong statement? Well, I simply say to you, look at this day. This is the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is the day of salvation. The day that God has set apart, the one day in seven, when he says, come together as the church and learn of me and learn to put my son, Jesus, at the center of your life. And what have most people done today? Have they come to church? Have they shown interest in Jesus? Yes, there have been people that have attended churches across uh, our borough this morning. And there will be people at church tonight. But the overwhelming majority of people today in our town, in our borough, in our province, have not been at church. They've shown no real interest in Jesus. They consider him an irrelevance to life. Jesus, well, he was some kind of distant figure from the past. Yes, he was a religious teacher. He went about doing lots of good, but maybe he didn't even do all those things he was supposed to do. And people just imagined he walked in water, and people just imagined he fed crowds. He maybe wasn't really all he was cracked up to be by the people of his day. And he's no relevance to my life today. For I live in a modern world, and I live in a world of many pressures and many responsibilities. I'm a young person. I've got to be thinking about what I'm going to do with my life. I've got to be making my mark. have got to be getting on at school. or I've got to be finding what I'm going to do whenever I come to the age to leave school. Am I going to have a trade? Am I going to go to college? Uh, or what am I going to do? And for those who are a stage further on and in employment, Their agenda often is, and their perspective often is, well, Jesus is irrelevant to life. I've got a home to pay for. I've got food I need to put on the table. I've got leisure uh, pursuits that I want to, to follow through, things I want to do. Jesus, he's irrelevant to my life. Now is that view right about Jesus? Is he indeed an irrelevance? And are people right when they treat him and when the vast majority of people of our day treat him as an irrelevance? Yes, they're little groups and they are people who are religiously interested, and yes, he's relevant to them, but no, no, he's not for me, he's not for us. Well, tonight I want us to see that Jesus himself challenges that mindset, that attitude, which prevails in our society, in our day, and which perhaps is true of you, maybe here tonight in church. Jesus an irrelevance from a bygone age. We're turning tonight to John chapter 3. And we want to look at one verse. Uh, just one little section, one statement, one sentence if you want to put it like that. It's John chapter 3, page 1065. And I want you to pick your finger on verse 17. For God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You see, in Jesus' day, for the vast majority of people that lived at that time, he was a non-entity. There was only a little group of people, the Jews, who had an interest in a Messiah, in a Christ, in a Saviour. And These people, this little group, they saw those outside the church, well, they are only for judgment. And in this verse tonight, Jesus challenges those two mindsets. He challenges the mindset out there in the world which says, Jesus, he's an irrelevance. And he also challenges the mindset which is in the church often. Which says the people out there, the world is only for judgment. I want us to see how Jesus presents himself here in this verse when he says for God did not send his son for God did not send me, Jesus into the world not just into Palestine but into the world um, that, he might, or that I might judge the world, but that the world might be saved through me, in other words, is what Jesus is saying. And we want to see here how Jesus presents himself and sets himself forth in two ways. And if you've got an order of service and you turn to the back of it, you'll see that the title of our sermon is Jesus, You and the World, or Jesus, the World and You. What relevance is Jesus to the World and You? And in our verse that we're looking at tonight, Jesus presents him first of all, himself first of all as the future judge. The future judge. The future judge. And that's important, the word future judge of the world, of all peoples, of all nations. The man to whom Jesus has been speaking in this chapter, Nicodemus, is from within the church. He's a Jew. And he has had the first half of our Bible and has studied it for years and years from his childhood days and he's now a teacher of the first part of the Bible, what we call the Old Testament, Genesis through to Malachi. And as Nicodemus and his fellow Jews have looked at the Old Testament, they have seen And they now believe that the Christ, his role, his relationship to the nations, his relationship to the world, will be what? To condemn the world. To judge the world. When Messiah comes, when Jesus comes, when the Christ comes to us Jews, when he comes to the church, then what's he going to do? He's going to judge those awful Romans whose soldiers occupy our barracks, whose people collect our taxes, whose officials harass us and annoy us, and who rule over us. He's going to judge them We are going to be rid of them. We're going to be free from them. And they could have gone to Scripture to support that. Psalm 98 that we sang earlier. For to judge the earth he comes. He's coming to judge the nations. He's coming to judge the Romans. He's coming to judge the Gentiles. And that's all that they thought. And saw. And they were right. But only up to a point. They were wrong. Badly wrong. In this respect. In that they saw Jesus the Christ. Who would come to them the Jews and the church. Well with regard to the nations. He would only judge them. He would condemn them. He would Cast them into the fires of hell forever. Did you see the Jews fail to understand that there were two comings of Jesus? A first coming unto salvation, not just for the Jews, but for the nations. And the second coming unto judgment. Judgment not just for the nations, but also for the Jews. And so it is for that reason that Jesus, having had this conversation with Nicodemus, he says to him, the words of our text God did not send his son into the world that he might judge the world. He's saying, Nicodemus and Jews of the first century and he's saying, men and women, you and I tonight in the 21st century, get this straight, get this clear in your mind. It is not the present work of Jesus to judge the world, to judge individuals, to judge families, To punish the ungodly. That is his future work. And so Jesus presents himself. What is his relationship to the world? To all the nations? Not just the Jews? What is his relationship to you and me? Well in the future he will be your judge. In the future, he will be my judge. In the future, he will be the judge of all the nations. Jesus presents himself as the future judge of the world. And sadly, there are people in churches today who still get this wrong. And their churches today, and they're like the Jews. And they think, oh Jesus, He's just for us inside the walls of the church. And those people that are outside, well, they only deserve judgment. And we only speak to them in terms of judgment. We only speak to them in terms of hellfire. And Jesus challenges that mindset within the church today. And he says, I am the future judge of people. I'm the future judge of the nations. That is my future work. Are you someone tonight who says, Jesus is an irrelevance? How tragic it is for someone to take that mindset when the one that they are treating as an irrelevance is going to be the judge of their lives. What a shock our community and our neighbours and our province is going to get in the future if it continues to go the way it's going, Jesus, he's an irrelevance. No, he isn't. But what a shock they're going to get on the day of judgment when they die and they realize there is a God and they realize that in the future Christ is going to come and he's going to condemn body and soul of all who have not believed in him, all who've said, Jesus, an irrelevance. He's going to condemn them to hell. Don't make that mistake. That is so prevalent in our day. Of saying Jesus is an irrelevance to my life. Not important. Not a priority. Not even on the radar. Because the reality is. He is your future judge. But then let's see, secondly, how Jesus is the present Saviour. We've seen what his relationship is to the world in the future. Yes, in the future, not now, does he condemn the world, but in the future he will condemn all who have not believed in him. But what is his relationship now? Look at our text again. For God did not send his son, and all that that cost him to send his son, into the world that he might judge the world. Now, that will happen in the future. But that the world might be saved through him. It was not the purpose of Jesus in his first coming. That's when he came in Bethlehem, came at Bethlehem, came through the womb of Mary and was born in that stable and was seen and worshipped by the wise men and the shepherds. It was not his purpose when he came then 2,000 years ago to judge the world. That was not what he was about during his 30-year life and his three-year ministry on earth. Nor indeed is it the purpose of what he does today from heaven. His purpose from his first coming right the way through to his second coming, when he'll come not through the womb of a woman, but he'll come on the clouds of the heaven. And he'll be seen like the sun in the sky. And everybody will see him as much as they see the sun shining in the sky or the moon by night. From that first coming until that second coming, his purpose is that the world might be saved through him. His purpose is salvation not just for the Jews, this little group that lived there in Palestine at the time of Jesus, but for the Romans and the Samaritans and the Gentiles, those nations that surrounded the Jews, and Jesus in coming was going to Bring his message of salvation to Nicodemus and his fellow Jews, first of all, and then it was going to widen out and ever in widening circles onto the ends of the earth. And you see, that is what we also sang, isn't it, in Psalm 98? Our opening praise that Jesus has come and he would bring salvation. And his salvation would be known unto the ends of the earth. It's put like this in Psalm 67. That your ways may be known on earth. Your salvation among all the nations. May the nations praise you, O God. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. Jesus. What is his relationship with the world tonight? How does he present himself to the world tonight? At this moment in time? He says, I am the saviour of the world. The world might be saved through him. Now John is not saying here that every single person that has lived or lives now or will live in the future will be saved. He's not teaching the universal salvation of every person. He's not using the word inclusively of every person. He's using the word world extensively. In other words there will be people from every nation that will be saved. And you see that's why Jesus before he went back to heaven. Uh, just over 2,000 years ago said to his disciples. Go. Make disciples of all the nations. Go into all the earth and preach this gospel. Preach preach this good news. There's not a nation on this earth to which the good news of Jesus is not to be taken. There's not a person on this earth. There's not a person in our town. There's not a person in our community or in our neighborhood to whom this good news should not be taken. And that's why we as a church are continually engaging in outreach, reaching out. We're taking out this message that Jesus has come to save the world. We seek to do that in our community in a whole variety of ways, with men and women. And our contact with them in the children's clubs, the Champions League this week, that's what it's about. We want boys to enjoy football, but we want boys to realise Jesus is not an irrelevance. He is their future judge, but now he says to them, I will be your present saviour. And what does it mean? When Jesus says that the world might be saved through him. What does it mean when he says that men and women and young people and boys and girls like you and me in this building tonight. That we might be saved through him. Why do we need to be saved through him? What do we need to be saved from? Well we need to be saved as Jesus puts it later, from our darkness. And that's a word which means sin. From our deeds, verse 19, that are evil. From the fact that we do evil. And as we saw this morning, evil actually resides in our very hearts. We need to be saved from the fact that we have turned away from God. And that we are not living for him. And he's not at the centre of our lives. And he's not the centre, as it were, of our universe. And so we need to be saved from sin. From evil. That otherwise brings the judgment of hell. Now how are we saved through Jesus? How can Jesus save us? What's so special about him? Well, he lived the sinless life that you and I do not live. There was no evil in him, we're told. Only righteousness and goodness. And so he then took that sinless life and what did he do? He offered it to his father on the cross He didn't need to die but he said I am going to die I will die to save others that they are forgiven their sins. And you see it is, that's why Jesus said that the world might be saved through him. There's only one way for the world to be saved. There's only one way for you to be saved and that is through Jesus. The life he lived that was sinless, the death that he died, which was in the place of sinners taking God's judgment and then bringing life to people. So, the world might be saved through him. He is the present saviour. And how are we to respond then? How does does Jesus save us? We'll go back to verse 15 in our chapter. And it talks about that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Verse 12, uh, Jesus challenges Nicodemus about, I've spoken to you, but you do not believe. And right through this passage, there is an emphasis on believing. Verse 21 talks about whoever lives by the truth. You see, whoever believes the truth. So what are we to believe? Well, we're to believe that Jesus Christ is the person of supreme relevance for your life and mine. There is not another person on the whole universe, past, present or future, who has the relevance that Jesus Christ has, were to believe that And then we are to believe that he is the one through whom we're saved. And we're to come to him and say, yes, I am evil as your word says I am evil. And you are good and gracious and saving as your word says you're saving. Save me. I confess my sin. I turn from my sin. I believe in you. I take you as my Saviour. Jesus, his relationship with the world, and very precisely, his relationship with you, with me, he will certainly be our future judge every last one of us make no mistake about that is he now your present saviour do you have that relationship with him that he came to create that the world that you might be saved through him His sinless life. His death for your sin. His resurrection from the dead. Are you believing in him? Making him and having him the centre of your life? Are you treating him as an irrelevance? Amen. Let's pray our God and our Father in heaven we thank you again for the Son of Man for Jesus, your Son the second person in the Godhead who came down from heaven who left your presence and took flesh and bone to himself our flesh and our bone but he did not take him, our sin to himself in that he was without sin and though he was tempted in every way as we are he did not sin we thank you that it was on the cross that he took our sin the sin of his people the sin of people from the nations. The sin of people from all ages. But he took that to himself. So that his people who believe in him will be saved. O Lord God, confront us tonight with the relevance of Jesus to our lives, to our community, and our town, and our families. He is coming again, and he will surely judge the world, every last life that has been lived, or shall yet be lived. But now he stands before us, and he says, I have come not to condemn the world. He stands before us tonight as individuals, he says, I have come not to condemn you now, but that you might be saved now through me. Help us to believe in him, to receive him, and to rest in him as our only saviour. In Jesus' name. Amen.